It struck me like lightning. I, I was, you hated the Japanese warriors because they killed Americans. But uh, for some reason it bothered me a lot that I may be killing somebody. David Grower grew up in a family where faith was the focal point of life. His father was a minister, so was his grandfather and his brother-in-law. David himself, later in life, would be ordained as a deacon in the Episcopal Church. So the notion of taking life ran counter to his being. But World War II was still being fought in early 1945. David enlisted in the Navy. He was prepared for combat but never had to face it. When his service ended, he went on to serve in many different ways. He became a dentist in Park Ridge, treating thousands of patients in a long career that ended just last year when he retired at age 94. For many, he was more than just a dentist. He was a friend and counselor. He's made it a mission in life to help others. For that, he is much beloved. In late October, Dr. David Grower was on the 99th Honor Flight Chicago. You're one day short of your 18th birthday, and you're in high school, and your dad has a message for you. <clears throat> what, was, what was your dad's message? If I remember the details, it, it, was, it was concerning being drafted the following day. At that particular point in time, when you're 18, you become automatically drafted. You have to take the, you're drafted. If you pass the physical, you go into service. Um, he thought that because of the, because of the, 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 the atrocity of the Second World War and how many people were injured and killed, he said, go in the Navy, or you, you'll be better off. You're, you're safer than landing over in Europe. And that was why he said, so I'm taking you down to Plymouth Court in Chicago, and you see if you can pass the physical and get in the Navy. That very day? That very that very, I don't remember if it was that very day. It was very close to that day that he suggested it, but we went down the day before I was 18 to, to join the Navy, and that's what I did. And the, and the Navy didn't accept you. I passed the test, but I, wasn't, I didn't go to Great Lakes until about 10 days or five to 10 days later. But you finished high school. No. No, you didn't. No. What happened? I went back to when I went when I passed the physical. I went to see the vice president, the vice principal. His name was Henderson. How I remember that, I don't know that, but it meant that much to me. And I said to him, "What do I do?" He said, "Well, you won't be the only one that that, that happened. You go in the Navy, and we'll take care of your graduation, most likely." So that's what happened. So I automatically graduated, even though I wasn't wasn't I didn't finish the senior year. Yeah. So you didn't get to walk for graduation then. I w I was home for graduation. Believe oh, it or not, okay. I went in the service and I got ten days off between that and the time I got put on a destroyer or distributed, and that that so I got to be at my graduation. Believe it or not, what, what did you say to your dad? Did you resist at all? I don't recall. Say? I don't recall that. I I felt I'm sure I felt comfortable with his decision. I felt comfortable with his decision. He seemed to be uh, uh, very concerned about how many men were being killed in 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 Europe. And so that's what he was talking about. So how did you get your mind set for the Navy? Did you, do you remember how you mentally well, prepared? Well, be, because the war was on for four years at that time, 
I I got the picture of the difference between the Navy and the Army, and I felt comfortable with Great Lakes for some reason. It was near home. It was near Waukegan. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that being on a ship was something that means sense sense to me, even though a lot of people in the Navy never get on a ship. (laughs) But that's why. What do you remember of your sense of the country then? Before we start talking about what you did individually, what was the mood of the country? Was there a sense? That well, the-, I, the only thing I remember was, was I remember Pearl Harbor. I remember the I remember the atrocities of the, of the Japanese, and that that frightened me. Uh, that I felt very anti-Japanese, uh, but of course a lot of people when you, you but the war was going on in Europe. Uh, that was also so it was. Very trying at that particular when you're that a man at that a boy at that age, knowing that you're faced with decision of how are you going to how are you going to be uh, involved with the Second World War, and so uh, I just accepted it like I, the war was frightening. Do you the re- war was very frightening. Do you recollect that there was any sense that the end was getting close, closer? As I remember, as I thought, victory was around the corner. That's what I thought. Well, but that didn't that didn't dispel the fear, though, for oh, no, Dave no, Grower, who's no, going no, into the service. No, 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 that did not dispel the fear. No, it did not dispel the fear. You, you certainly felt that you may be a victim of, of, of uh, you may be a victim. So that's, you knew that. I knew that. Yeah, any, a sense that, you know, the end may be near, but you're still vulnerable. Yes. And you're going into yes. harm's way. yes. Well, I had no idea that the war would be over in in, uh, in in six months. I had no idea that would have come. That I thought it would go on longer than that. I really did. As, as, as when I joined, I thought it's probably a couple years that the war will be on. Yeah, that's an awful thought. Yeah, yeah, she says. Well, that well, you were surrounded by war then. You know, you was you had a you had two wars going on: the Japanese and you and you and, and Hitler. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very different time. Did, did you have any friends you remember who may have served and came, uh, were, were, were wounded or killed in action? Uh, yes, we had two. Uh, I don't remember their names. My father uh, was, very, very, we have an orphanage home called Ugulic Orphan Home. St. Paul's Church in Chicago supports that, began it and ran it. And two people that were there that I played basketball with, they were killed. I don't forget their name. One was Roy, I think. But I remember there were several that were killed. That, that I remember. And that brought it, that brought it home to you. Oh, yeah, well, of course. to your dad, who, by the way, we should say, was minister at St. Paul's in Chicago, which is the United Church of Christ, in a big congregation. Yeah. Yes. So that was a major part of your upbringing, too. I mean, religion, faith is a fabric of your yes, being. Yes, my, my, my grandfather was a minister, my, my, brother, my brother-in-law was a minister, all in the United Church of Christ. Because in, those, in those days, it was not the United Church of Christ, it was evangelical reformed. Right. <clears throat> so off you go to boot camp, yeah. and you <clears throat> go through all that, yeah. um, and then you're shipped out to the West Coast. Yeah. Shoemaker, California, which is a distribution center. You spent time there a few days or months or weeks or whatever until they appointed you where to go. So that's what that's where I was. And so, what was your appointment? I got appointed to a uh, to a destroyer, uh, uh, the Stephen Potter five DD five thirty eight, and he had just come back during the war, had some injury, 
and they came into the into the port in near San Francisco to be reconditioned and sent back to war. The Potter had been at Iwo Jima and yeah. also Okinawa. Yeah. So it saw plenty of action. Oh, it's a lot of action. And the the people on. The, it, so were you assimilated in with the crew of men who'd been on? Yes. About the Potter. Oh yes, yes. So what, what what did they tell you about their mission? All they all they did is they 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 they, they were more interested in making sure I knew how to shoot a forty millimeter cannon. <laughs> they sent me to school. I got on a ship, and they sent me to school for a week or whatever it was. So you're at that turret, and you're trained on how to shoot a 40-millimeter. 40 40-millimeter 40 cannon, yeah. And I was appointed to one, one gun on that ship. If we would shoot, we would go. We, uh, there was one 40-millimeter gun that I shot. So are you mentally wrestling with the notion that you may be forced into a position where you're in combat, and you're going to have to shoot your 40-millimeter and kill somebody? That bothered me. What bothered me after I got came back from the from uh, learning how to do it is is thinking that I'm going to kill somebody. That that bothered me even then. I, I, it struck me like lightning. I, I was you hated the Japanese warriors because they killed Americans, but uh, for some reason it bothered me a lot that I may be killing somebody, but I I'd had to do, it. I had to do well, it. How did you reconcile yourself to the fact that you might have to pull the trigger? The only, the only thing I thought of, either, either, they, either we shoot them or they shoot us. That's what I felt. So you are on the coast. The, the uh, Potter is, is cruising the coast. You're guarding the, the west coast of the yes, U.S. Yes. And you also accompany uh, 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 well, carriers uh, going yeah, carriers, to, yes. to Hawaii. Yes. But you never saw any combat. Never. Never. I never saw any combat. Well, you got to be grateful for that. I am. I thank God every day for it. Were there any moments on the Potter when you thought there might be something uh, coming your way that would be threatening? I don't remember that, Paul. I, I really don't remember that. I, I always thought that that could happen. When, you, when you're on a Navy ship and you're out to sea, you, you think something may happen any minute. And sometimes we were called on an emergency basis to go to, to the gunnery. We, that, that happened. Do you have drills? Yes, we had yeah, drills. And, right. and you never knew when they were going to occur. You never knew when they were going to occur. But you could have pulled the trigger if you had to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Protection. That's how I convince myself was protection. So more than killing somebody for, for just the purpose of killing them, it was to prevent them from killing us. Where were you when the war came to an end, when VJ Day came? <clears throat> I, was on the sh I was on the ship at a, in the ocean. That's all I can tell you. And how did they tell you that it was over? I don't remember that. But you remember probably all some I sense remember of joy. Is, all I remember is, 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 is running around yelling. I mean, the whole ship was yelling. The war is over. It was over. It's over. It's over. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. And then we came back to San Francisco. And were you in San Francisco for a while before? We you were. We, they assigned. They made me. A lot of them just discharged. They kept me on this thing until the end for some reason. Uh, I was there maybe for for a month or two when they when they decommissioned that ship. Well, when did you finally get home to your mom and dad? I got home in May or June of, of that of 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 nineteen of nineteen forty five. No, it was July or August. I I came home 
I went to Great Lakes, and I got discharged at Great Lakes. I got the train to Chicago, and I took a streetcar home. And I rang the doorbell. And what happened? My mom gave me, my mom came running to the front door and gave me a big hug and said, we're going fishing. <laughs> so a couple of days later, my dad was expecting me to, to come home. So, so we went to Canada and went fishing, yeah. Oh, so they didn't, they didn't immediately know that you were coming home that day? or did you they, they, they knew. I, if I remember, they knew for a, about a day or so. So did you catch any fish up in Canada? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I think it may have been with Minnesota. I don't remember. That doesn't matter. Wherever there's water, we there's fishing. fish. <laughs> did they have any messages to their son when you got home and, and uh, you're at peace? No. My, my, my father told me, uh, you're going to Northwestern. <clears throat> he, uh, he had got... He, Got me in the Northwestern before I even knew I was going to college. He said, "We got you. You're going. You'll be big starting in September. It was like three weeks away." He he put he got me in Northwestern some way. He got you in the Navy. And he got you in Northwestern. Yeah, too. that's my dad. He's a, he was very much that man. Yeah, that's my father. <laughs> okay, yes. so you got you go to Northwestern, and do you have a notion of what it is you want to do with your life? Yes, I knew that I liked science. I, I knew that I probably would. I, I thought I'd get my master's degree in, 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 in chemistry or physiology. But, but when I went after, after a couple of years involved with taking all those courses, I thought I'd get into a medical, medical something. And for some, I don't remember why I'd, I applied to dental school rather than medical school. Maybe I applied to both. I don't remember that. But I applied and I got an Illinois Dental School and I, it was all free. It was, it was all GI, v, 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 yeah. GI Bill. VI, GI Bill. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't really know whether you wanted to be a, a doctor of medicine. No, or? that's so. In fact, I, in fact, after my second, after my first year, the the, um, uh, the head of the Department of Physiology invited me to come in. And I, I said, "What do I do?" You know. And he said, "Dave, we you're you're uh, you, we see you're not." I was a good student. <laughs> yeah, and you seem to like physiology. You're going to say outstanding. He said one of the teachers here, one of the professors that taught you, wants you to work with him this summer, and he's doing some research. So I stayed at the, at, in the medical for for the three months doing research in the medical and in, in physiology. Then I thought I'd get my master's in physiology, but I couldn't do that going to dental school. So I thought I'll go through dental school and I get my. I didn't do that. I went through dental school and I went to work. I got married. Uh, and speaking of that, you're at Children's Memorial Hospital as a college student, and you're doing some some work there, and you meet somebody who strikes your fancy, right? Yeah. That's Joan. Yes, Joan. And and how do you approach her? Well, the, this is Paul. You should, that's a funny question because I was there a couple of days, and one of the men that was that worked in that department with me said. That girl over there? I said, yeah. Her name is Joan? I said, yeah, something like that. He said, I bet you five bucks. At five bucks, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money to me. I'll bet you five bucks you can't get a date with her. So I said, I'll bet you. So I waited for a few days. I asked her, and she said, no. No, I don't want to go out. So I lost the five bucks. So about a month after working there, she came up to me, and she said, I understand you like to dance. Yes, I said so. So we went out to dance. That's that's what that's how I that's how that started. To the Aragon Ballroom and the, to the rest Aragon is history. Aragon Ballroom. <laughs> well, here's the question then: You won her over. Did you get your five bucks back? No. <laughs> I lost five bucks. Oh well, you got a you got a wife though, right? Yeah. 
How long? <clears throat> how long were you married? We were. Oh, let's see. We were married in '54, and she she died four and a half years ago. So how long is that? You know. So. Uh, long time. Long time. Long time. She was a very intelligent woman. She was a teacher. Yeah. Evanston Public School System. Yes. Yes. Was she also a patient of yours? No. Well, once we got married, yes. <laughs> but no, she wasn't a patient of mine. Oh, okay. You get your dental degree, and you set up your practice in the Pickwick, and you're there for a long time. Many years ago, uh, went down the street to a, to a different office where I was where I, in a bigger building, and, and, I had, and I hired somebody to work with me. He and I bought a building over on uh, in Park Ridge, kind of a huge building, a medical center, and we opened up our office there. We had a lot of, we had like eight chairs. We had two hygienists, and he and I both had a couple of chairs. So it was so well. We had quite a practice. I had quite a practice, and I got, uh, I had, I was always interested in facial pain, so I wrote a book on facial pain. So I had a lot of neurological patients that had facial pain. That's, so I had a, like a specialty in dentistry, yeah. So your book... My book is Temple Medivity Joint. That book has served as, as text for many dentists who've followed over the years. Yeah, probably, right? probably. And, and you were at this at a time, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that dentistry was really maturing. The whole business of x-ray technology, it, it was advancing at a rapid pace. Yes, then. Paul, that's a, that's a very good analysis. yes. Yes. People just didn't come in with toothaches. They came in to prevent that. Dentistry came from treating painful patients to treating everybody. How many patients did you have over the years, do you think? Oh, my God. I don't have no idea, Paul. I was very, very busy. I wouldn't say thousands, I'd say. Sure. I've been away out of practice for almost four years. So I'd ask you again what I, I asked you before. I, do, you, do you miss it? No. No, I do not miss it. <laughs> you miss the people you worked with. Well, I miss the, yes. And, and to work in somebody's mouth, Paul, is not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. No, but it's a mission in life, right? But, but, it's, but it helps people. It prevents pain and, and infection. Part of your life, a good part of your life, has been about giving back and helping other people in your role as a dentist and also in your role as a deacon in the Episcopal Church. But you were in, tell, tell me about the, the uh, Lost Boys of the Sudan. All right, well, what was that about? There is a woman called Jackie Krause, who is a very involved with a, a church in Barrington. And uh, she came down, down and we spent some time together and she said, I've got people in South Sudan that have, that, that come and visit, they come and visit. And she said, I would like you to examine them and take care of their mouth if they're here for a month or two. I said, I'd be happy to do it. So she would bring people at least once a year. Sometimes even the bishop of South Sudan was part of it. And he, she'd bring four or five people into my office. We examine them and we get them back and we fix, we work on them. And we'd fix them up and tell them how to take care of their mouths in the South Sudan. And that's so I did that. This, yes. This is all pro bono work then. Oh, yes. I did. Oh, yes. You're giving your time? Yes. And, and you did other things like that too, I think. Yes. Didn't you? Yes. What else did you do? Well, there was a place on South, um, I'm trying to, South State Street. I forget the name of it. It was like a, it was like a place where for people, with, with, people, people stay with no, have no money, 
No place to stay. Pacific Garden Mission. Pacific Garden Mission. So I would have the, I, I'd see them and I'd give them money. We'd give them money to come out to my office and we'd take care of them. That's what we do. Yeah. Why'd you do that? I felt, I felt like it was a, it made me feel good. Like, I feel, I, even today, I, I think of those, I, I'm happy with our church giving himself to the CCA Academy. We, we, to me, to me, we should be much, the church should be much, much, much more aware of the people that have nothing, that are poor, that are uneducated on the south side of Chicago, especially blacks. That's how I felt. You have, the, you, and you remain with a lot of energy toward that cause. Yes, still. I have a lot. If they asked me to come back and do something, I would do it. Because it's important, and because of, of your role in the church as well. You're a deacon in the Episcopal Church. I don't know if that's what it is or it isn't. That. All I can say is when I see them, I went to CCA Academy many, many, many years ago, and I wasn't a deacon then. And that's a, a place on the south side of Chicago, and I saw people struggling, like they struggle. And there is a school for, for, under, for people that are poor and have no money. And I got to see that, took part in it. In fact, I took guys on a Saturday and we, we helped construct it, build it. And uh, it, it, it turned me on. Like I thought, I can't, I feel sorry for, I feel terrible, sorry for, the, for those people that are poor and, and uneducated. And there's a lot of that in our country. There are many, many, many people that need money, help, education, food, and that's how I felt about. I felt that way about it. I well, still feel that way about it. Right, and that's kind of been the driving force for you. That's that's a big thing in my life. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing in my life. Well, a lot of affection has been shown toward you from your patients. I have a neighbor who, when he heard that you were going on honor flight came over to my house and he said, not too many people can say they love their dentist, but we love Dr. Grower. <laughs> he was sick. <laughs> Whoever he is, get rid of No, he, they, oh, okay. they, they so admire you and adore you for who yeah. you are as not just a dentist, but kind of a life counselor. And that's, a, I think, a high compliment. Thank you. flight not long ago but you had um, some misgivings about that going into it you didn't think you deserved to go because you never saw combat you didn't have to pull the trigger exactly exactly why, Paul. why did you think that i don't know paul i just didn't feel i should, i just didn't feel wor- that i should do should be honored that way i didn't see combat uh there were many people that that did and they're gone. Who am I to sit on an honor flight when they didn't get to sit on an honor flight? So did friends of yours change your mind so you would go? Yes. Yes, Jay Risk convinced and, me to do it. And what did Jay say to you to convince you? I don't you? remember. And he said, please do it for him. I heard him say, please do it for me, Dave, and for others. Just do it. All right. So you did it. So I did it. And what does it mean? What did that moment I mean? I can't believe it. I can't. To be... I, I was shocked, Paul. I was shocked at all the, uh, the uh, all the acceptance that was there for people like me. And I was shocked that uh, that they that there were so many veterans. Why me? You know, I'm shocked. If I represent other veterans, that's okay. If it was just me, that's bad. Uh, there were people in the, who were in the service who saw much, who had a much more involved 
war problem than I did. So anyhow, that's that. You felt kind of that I I really don't deserve that. Yeah, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy. Right. Yeah. But in fact, you understand now that you are. I guess so. Yeah. I'm shocked at all the attention I'm getting. Did you Even have this? This. So all the people who came up to you and and they don't know you yeah. from Adam, but they said thank you for your service. <sighs> I think the I think the thing that shocked me the most, Paul, all of it, even being able to see all the monuments in Washington and all that, was getting off the plane, walking down and having a sailor hold my hand and put his arm around my, sh- and going and getting at the, at the end of the, and there were all these people like like her, clapping for in appreciation. I, it's something that comes totally unusual, totally unexpected, totally unexpected. That was many years ago, and and uh, I had to do it because I was 18 years old and the war was on, you know? And I passed the physical. So that's why you did it. So I, I, I saw you when you came down the aisle and everybody was cheering. Yeah. yeah. And did I want to tell you that you had a big smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. Did I? Yeah, you did. So it was a good experience. It was a, it was a fabulous experience, Paul. It was a fabulous experience, and uh, to sit on a chair, to sit on a chair, to sit on the, the uh, in front of Lincoln's memorial, looking down at the looking down at the Washington Memorial and the water, and behind that the the, the Congress building, almost made me cry. Almost made me cry. I think that this is a great country, and I had I had a chance to maybe help. Help it be a great country, that's what I thought. No, there's no maybe. You did help. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You're reluctant still. (laughs) This is a joyous time of year, right? Right. Now, you've been getting cards from former patients. What do you say at this time of year to your, your former patients, people that you've known over the years who are still sending good wishes to you? I, I tell them that I tell some of them that that, that they're, they're more than just people, they're patients. That I, I connect to them through love. I love them. I love some people. People don't even know that I have a deep feeling for these people. Uh, there's a, it's it, there's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, an appreciation type of a love, but it's a comforting. It's comforting. It's a, I realize they are gifts to me. I realize that God's gifts to me were people that I know, even patients, that their gifts, their affection, and their working with me in life is, is a gift. It's a gift from God. Maybe that's why my neighbor said what he said. Yeah. About you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I believe that. Though. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Grower, thanks for your service. Thank you, thank you, and Paul. Welcome home, man. Thank you, Paul. Very cool. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. We hope you found today's Honor, Thank, Inspire episode to be moving and meaningful. If you did, please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans 
and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors. To support our mission, to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.